So I want to start by saying really a very warm welcome to you all. It's, it's truly a delight to see so many familiar faces. Um, and to those of you who are new to IMS or new to this retreat, um, I hope you feel very welcomed and will feel very at home here. So for those of you who don't know us or we don't know you, but we will come to meet you in the coming days, some introductions are in order. Um, I'm Christina, this is Narayan and Madeline. So here we are, 30 years in, <laughs> still here. That feels kind of significant. Um, I'm very glad that somebody keeps track of these anniversaries because I, I wouldn't have. But when I was reminded that it was 30 years of this retreat, I, I really reflected on what a privilege it has been to not only be part of founding this retreat, but to have known so many of you for such a big part of our lives. Um, and this is, you know, it's, it's, it is a significant anniversary. I, I think not only a significant anniversary here at IMS, but I think also really in the world of Dhamma practice, this tradition of establishing and reestablishing a women's sangha. You know, and some of you will have been perhaps to Asia, you know, and I lived in Asia for a number of years. And, you know, there, the position of women on the path and in the practice is far less established in many ways than, than ours here. And in some ways, this has, is some, such a unique situation. I think, to celebrate and to honor. But it's also, a, I think, a, a testament to so many of you who really, that this retreat has grown and, and thrived and become so much a part of, of our lives, really due to, to your commitment your commitment to the path, your commitment to the practice. There's a, a wonderful word in Pali of Apamada. It's become one of my favorite words of late. And Apamada, it, it doesn't translate into, of course, just one English word, like many Pali words, but there's something in it about diligence and perseverance and zeal and, and commitment and dedication. And I think of, of how much that is so central to what we do here, to how this retreat has flourished, to how your own practice has become embedded, hopefully, in your lives. So this evening we begin. We've physically at least arrived. Well done. And um, now there's another few steps to take. 
And I, I think sometimes it takes a little while for our minds and our hearts to catch up to our bodies. So that there's a kind of psychological and emotional kind of reorientation and a kind of landing, a landing which is very important inwardly, that sense of kind of arriving, of settling, of being here. Years ago, in the time of the Buddha, there's a story where the Buddha was once asked about why his nuns and his monks were so radiant. And he said, because they don't lean backwards into the past, into what has already gone by, and because they're not leaning forward into the future, into what is yet to come, and because they are free from preoccupations in the present, that is why they are so radiant. This is our invitation. This is our invitation to, to really, really come to know and, and almost re-know that capacity within ourselves for that kind of radiance that comes from a heart and a mind that really knows how to unbind from those preoccupations that don't serve us well. But to be here wholeheartedly, this is where we are. And to really, to give ourselves wholeheartedly to being where we are. 2,500 years ago, I think that, you know, there's something so timeless about the human heart and the human mind, you know. And any of you who've ever kind of delved into the early texts of the Buddha's teaching, you know, it, it, it has a sense of that timelessness of, uh, you know, the, the heart and mind, the way that it spans all of these generations and years. And the Buddha recognized in that time, you know, there's a, a certain kind of tension in waking up. I, I'd love to be able to say to you, oh yeah, just come here, sit down, walk around a little bit, you know, and, you know, spring blooms all by itself and all that stuff. Actually, a little more complex than that. Um, there is a certain tension in waking up. Because I'm, I'm sure we've all recognized how easily we transfer patterns and tendencies within ourselves from one life situation to another. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. Never moved house and found your mind, uh, think, oh, here I am again, you know? Know this one. How we just do this, this kind of transference and, you know, sometimes what we transfer, of course, is that, that tendency to keep wanting to arrange and rearrange the conditions of our life and of our moment and of our environment to, to, to maximize comfort and minimize discomfort. Um, how easily we transfer patterns of striving and busyness and judgment and you know, you've probably all encountered that it's not so easy to find in ourselves that kind of freshness of being, that capacity to really walk new pathways inwardly. 
Now, the tension in waking up, I think, is this tension that exists between many of the aspirations and longings and intentions that we truly value in ourselves. C has been so central in our life that the aspirations for peace, for aliveness, for simplicity, for calm, for compassion, and, and the tendencies towards anxiety and disconnection and aversion and dissociation. Now, this is not a negative tension. I think, you know, sometimes we're aware of that tension and we think, oh, we fill that up with judgment and despair. But this is not actually a negative tension. It's actually a creative tension. This is where we practice. This is the classroom of our practice. It's within this tension that we we sow the seeds of mindfulness, of investigation, of kindness, of of compassion, of apamada, this quality of perseverance. When I arrived in the U.S. a couple of nights ago, you know, everybody who arrives in the U.S., if you're not an American citizen, you know, gets sent into this other line. And and it, it's not always a very pleasant experience, I have to confess. But um, I don't know if there's a special training for customs officers <laughs> in, in grumpiness. But I, I happened to get in this. I, I was standing in this long line waiting to be called forward. And I spotted this one guy who was smiling. And I sort of had my fingers crossed, you know, please let me get sent to his line. And lo and behold, I did. You know, and, and he looked at my, my visa and he says, Oh, Insight Meditation Society. He says, That sounds pretty good. He said, I could use a few Zen moments right now. <laughs> and and, uh, <laughs> and I, I said, Well, you, know, you, you ought to come sometime. And he says, You know, I, he says, I can sort of see it right now. He says, You know, he said, I'd get there and I'd be complaining. He said, I'd, he said, I'd be complaining about the weather. He said, I'd be complaining about the food. I'd be complaining about my sore back. And I'd find all these ways to stress myself. And I thought, oh, that's quite insightful. <laughs> but if you think about it, you know, in the, in the busyness of our lives, don't we often imagine landing in a place like this? You know, that, that chance to just kind of step out and be cared for and felt cared for and be in the company of good people and feel kind of respected and, you know, to have all this space and time just to attend to ourselves. I mean, do you ever have those thoughts? And so here you are, you've landed. And, and I want to tell you, in the next couple of days, you're probably going to have that thought, what am I doing here? You know, how do I get out of here? What did I get myself into? Uh, there's kind of like really no accounting for what our minds do. But to really appreciate that this is about as good as it can get at times in our lives. Mm-hmm. And there, there is something about relaxing into that. And, and appreciating that and being able to receive. You know, we, we pretty much have everything we need here. We have everything we need that to, to support us 
in our own in our own journeys, our own cultivations, our own investigations, our own really a sense almost of, of re-befriending ourselves. There is, I think, both an art and a craft to meditation practice. There were in the Satipatthana Sutta, really the discourse, it's the foundation of all insight practices. The Buddha encourages, you know, whether sitting or standing or walking or lying down, whether coming or going, whether lifting or reaching, whether being still, establish mindfulness and that this is the most noble way of being in this world. And, you know, tomorrow you'll go to the notice board and you'll see a schedule that's not unfamiliar to you. And you'll notice it doesn't really feature the word break. (laughs) It's pretty much rooted in the Satipatthana. That real invitation to establish mindfulness, which is really to establish that wholehearted simplicity and curiosity with nothing left out with nothing left out, also to, to cultivate this capacity in ourselves for this apamada, this, this perseverance, this diligence, remembering what it's in the service of. This is not about work. If I, if I could ask you to please relinquish that word at the beginning of the retreat. This is not about work. Certainly this, this asks a considerable effort of us, but only because we're actually really endeavoring to walk new pathways rather than to live in the familiar and the habitual. It does require effort. But remember, when the Buddha talked about this practice, and as many of you have tasted it, this is not only establishing the most noble way of being in this world, it's also the most joyful. It is the most joyful way of being in this world, is wakefulness is that sense of groundedness, that sense of connectedness. So the craft of this practice is very much, you know, we will be practicing with the schedule, with the silence, with the uh, developing the practice. And there's also the art. And the art is very much in the attitudes that we bring. You know, sometimes it's said that to do this practice, you only need to begin, you only need a cupful of wisdom. But you, you, need, you need a bucketful of kindness and you need an ocean of patience. And, you know, this practice is not attitudinally neutral. It is about really cultivating and deepening and establishing those qualities of heart and mind that really transform not only the shape of our mind, but transform the shape of our world. So it's bearing in mind that as we practice here, we we practice surely for the well-being of our own hearts and minds. We practice for the well-being of those that we love and care for. We also practice for the well-being of those that we struggle with and the many people in this world we don't know. And we practice for the well-being of the very world, the very planet that we live on. So I really wish you a very rich and a very wakeful week here.
So, just to um, echo, can you hear me in the back? Wonderful. Um, Just to echo what Christina said about so many years at this, it is astonishing. You know, we've 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 gotten older together (laughs) all these years, and I um, I couldn't be more pleased that I get to see all of you in this context once a year. Something that's so striking to me is about how, um, you know, many of you, this same retreat, year after year after year, and um, it's just remarkable that that is so. But so many of you, just from all over the place, you know, from home, or I see you, one of you I just saw in Burma a couple of years ago. You know, we're, we're an international crowd. Um, you know, we get together in odd places over and over again. And I am really happy to be in this life with you. I find that to be a wonderful, wonderful thing. There's a beautiful um, quote by Padmasambhava. Without beginning or ending, your original wisdom has been shining forever like the sun. To know whether or not this is true, look inside your own mind. This is what we're doing here. We're here to look inside our own minds, to experiment, and to discover intrinsic wisdom, to to discover that which has always been so, always been true, but that has seemed at times utterly far away from us, finding ourselves alienated, finding ourselves alienated from our own experiences. Here we are with this invitation to come home to ourselves. Sometimes for those of us who do return year after year to the same retreat, the same context, or at least to IMS, there's kind of a a feeling of nostalgia about it, you know? Everything changes and um, we see that Although the basics remain the same, um, so much changes in this environment because everything changes everywhere. So how, how would that not be so here as well? But there's this, sometimes this kind of feeling, you know, before you come here, before you come to this sacred space, there's this sense of longing that arises. Maybe the sense of longing is what makes us come every year. Yeah, and this kind of funny, funny kind of nostalgia. The word nostalgia comes from the Greek "returning home," and so I think there is this yearning to return home, this yearning to actually find ourselves home wherever we are, to heal that sense of separation. Separation from ourselves, separation from others, separation from our own most intimate experiences. So finding this long-lost home within ourselves and being in this environment, being a path to finding that home that we can take wherever it is that we go. The difference between 
being here and being home. Because, of course, the idea in this lineage of practice is to practice wherever we are, at work, at school, doing this, doing that, using the computer, um, whatever it may be, being with friends, being with family, to practice wherever we are. And coming into this environment, it's the same thing. Practice wherever we are. Encourage awareness, whatever it is that we're doing. So Christina was talking about you know, the different activities and encouraging awareness within those various activities. And this is the very same thing as we do in our everyday life. We encourage the sustaining of impeccable present moment attentiveness without stress. (laughs) Use the word impeccable and maybe one starts to get tense. But without stress, without um, struggle, this kind of great care and concern around being awake and aware in the here and now, whatever is happening in the here and now. The difference between when we're at home, though, and we're encouraged to practice in our daily life, and when we're here in this building where everything is set up in a way that is encouraging for us, that's the only difference, is that the conditions here are really supportive. That's the only difference between our everyday life practice and our practice here. It's the very same practice. It's not different. And we don't want to have this huge gap between how we are on retreat and how we are in our everyday life. And at home, generally, we don't have the kind of guidance and support and help of one another, the refuge of community. You know, each one of us has to be kind of a pioneer and do this on our own. But it is incredibly precious to know that there is a situation in which everything is supporting us in the direction of inner freedom, in the direction that our hearts so yearn to go in. And we may not always like those conditions. It doesn't mean that they're not supportive. Even when we don't like them, it doesn't mean that they're not beneficial and supportive. And so they'll change. Sometimes we'll love the conditions and we'll think, why can't I stay here forever? And then, as Christina was pointing out, we might have other moments when we're thinking, why in the world did I think this was a good idea to come? So this is normal. This is natural because this happens in our everyday life. It's not so different to what happens in our everyday life. It's just that here everything is highlighted. It's a very raw and bare situation that encourages the inner riches to reveal themselves. Within this situation that is not like our home, does not have the familiarities of our homes, our own bed and our own kind of food and being able to talk whenever we want to and pick up the phone and this and that. 
this is a very, even if we've been here many, 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 many times, as many of us here have been, it's still unfamiliar in a certain way because it's this kind of inner exploration which is always bound to be unfamiliar. And we're becoming, we're familiarizing ourselves step by step by step. We're familiarizing ourselves with this sense of home within ourselves. So the conditions, even though sometimes it feels a bit barren or... um, not being able to take refuge in the usual habits and comforts and patterns. It is a way to reach very deep inside, to touch our inner resources, this inner reservoir of measureless wisdom, measureless peace, unconditional compassion. Of course, in our daily life, and so here as well, there are going to be ups and there are going to be downs, and there's going to be that which is neither up nor down, which maybe for some of us is hardest when it's neither up nor down. We are likely to encounter moments of peace, and we are very likely as well to encounter many moments that are the opposite of peace, And all of this is part of the practice. We are being asked to meet what is from moment to moment with whatever wisdom and compassion is available to us in that moment. Not a whole lot may be available in a given moment. A huge, abundant amount may be available in another moment. This is all part of the practice Whatever degree of wisdom and compassion is available to us, that's what we apply. And then it gets stronger and stronger and stronger because whatever we practice, we become. Whatever we practice, we become. In a way, you could say this is a process of the heart, the heart of things, that which is most important. Our hearts revealing itself, understanding our inherent goodness of being. And you could call this Buddha nature, but it's not a noun. It's not a something, Buddha nature. It's just recognizing that we have the same nature as the Buddha. We have the same nature as all of those who have awakened And so we're in this lineage of awakening, touching that which is inherently good within our hearts, which does not mean conventional goodness by any means. Not by any means. I remember a wonderful sign going by in the city, uh, just this um, graffiti, and it said, Uppity Women Unite. And I thought, this is great. This is what we're doing. We're uniting on this path of awakening. Since the time of the early Buddhist nuns, certain forms have been known to be deeply beneficial. One of these forms is silence, really working with silence as carefully as we can. And sometimes here, if we come out of a very noisy environment, 
the silence is just, you know, it's so gorgeous to come to the country. Sometimes the silence almost sounds deafening. You know, it's so loud. Silence can be so loud. And so it's a natural part of being here is that silence that's organic and natural in this environment. But something that takes a little bit more effort is the silence of not talking to each other when we want to. And what takes even more effort sometimes, and what I really want to encourage you in, is the effort to not talk to yourself. It will be super silent all week if you recognize the times of moving into inner dialogue, of telling yourself what to do, of harassing yourself, of using the practice as a weapon against yourself, which we can do at times. So to really practice the silence of refraining from speaking both to yourself and to one another. This kind of silence of refraining from talking to one another is not oppressive. It's a friendliness. It's a friendly, gentle, tender kind of silence where we're all supporting one another through not talking. It's one of the jewels on this path, and it is a tried and true way to rediscover our inner beauty, to live less and less in inner struggle, and to know a greater degree of steadiness within our hearts. So silence being one of the forms that we work with on retreat. Another form that we work with is that of simplicity. And I think in terms of simplicity, one of the keys is to appreciate that this is a time of less doing. So not to get involved in doing that is not necessary. Initially, sometimes this brings up a whole lot of different mental states to not do can be so challenging and provocative. But if we keep with it, if there is persistence and perseverance and patience, then we kind of, you know, kind of move into the flow of it and we begin to really enjoy. It's kind of the bliss of non-doing or of less doing, not trying to accomplish anything. Sometimes at the end of a retreat, someone will say, well, I got this or this out of it. You know, I got this out of it and I got that out of it. And I would say, maybe just to appreciate instead of trying to get anything out of anything. You know, maybe just to appreciate the time, to appreciate the moment, to appreciate the context, and to have the attitude that when you leave, you're actually going to leave it here. You know, you're going to leave your struggle here rather than thinking that you have to take it with you. So it's not so much about gain or attainment. It's about recognizing that which is already true within. Without beginning or ending, your original wisdom has been shining forever like the sun. To know whether or not this is true, look inside your own heart. Another aspect is to be nourished by one's meditative history and 
many of us in this room have a very long meditative history. Others of you are just beginning. If you do have a meditative history, to be nourished but not attached to it. You know, see if you can be here in a very fresh way, in a new way, in an alive way. Respecting the life questions you may have brought with you, but not attempting to solve these questions through thinking our way out of it or into it. Instead, trusting in awareness, seeing if over and over again you can hand it over and trust in awareness. Now, one thing to say in terms of simplicity is to, a way to embody simplicity is to refrain from um, reading, to refrain from writing, and very, very, very much, we can't stress this more, to refrain from talking on your cell phone, to bury it somewhere deep in your luggage or in your car or somewhere that it's not um, within easy access. It's kind of the secret life of yogis, you know. You have to really have a sense that it's not going to be a wholehearted attempt to be here. It's really going to be thwarted if one goes towards the same habits that we're used to doing at home. And one of the great joys of being here is that you're actually encouraged to not use technology. And it's so hard to do that sometimes in this world, especially with work. We're encouraged to use technology. So I really want to, um, very, very, we all do, want to strongly say to um, to let go of any cell phone use while you're here. It's a way to step into that which is new, unknown, and unfamiliar. So just, um, I just would like to, to end by reading the five precepts to you. Um, these are the guidelines that we'll be working with throughout our time together here. And it's a way to co-create a sacred space in which we can all feel safe to explore the mysteries of being as deeply as we possibly can. In order to explore these mysteries, and this is one of these supportive conditions in being here, to take up the precepts working with our actions with a great sense of integrity, this is really a great help on our path. So as I take them, perhaps inside you can take them too, as I say them. The first one, knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to protect all forms of life and to practice compassionate action. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to only take what is offered to me and to practice generosity. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to protect relationships and to be celibate during this retreat. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment to maintain noble silence, and when I do need to speak, to speak with truthfulness and kindness. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, I undertake the commitment not to harm myself or others through the misuse of alcohol or drugs. These are great treasures for us in this path 
on this retreat in, in our daily life. So just to end by saying how, again, delighted I am to see all of you and looking forward to meeting those of you that I don't know and so happy to be within family. Have a great retreat. So, just to echo my colleagues, a very warm welcome. I'm so happy to be here with all of you and to be here with both Christina and Narayan. It's really an honor to be here together. I was reflecting earlier about um, being on retreat and sort of how all of us here, we kind of are entering this a stream, really, a timeless stream of women who have been practicing maybe for a weekend or a week or a month or years, centuries. We're kind of in that lineage of women coming together to sit together and to practice together. So many women have gone before us. They've actually walked this path. Like Christina was saying, they have let go of preoccupations and habits of mind and tendencies. They've opened to the unknown, to the unfamiliar, like Narayan was saying, and they've really understood truth. Isn't that inspiring? So we join really in that courage of women who have come before us, who've taken risks, committed to seeing the truth and understanding and realizing the truth. These are really, um, all these women who've gone before us, they're really loving reminders of our own ability to realize our aspirations to be free. One of the things I really enjoy about starting a retreat is just taking a moment to turn inward and to reflect on your own aspiration. So if you just take a moment and bring your attention here and just listen deeply. connecting, opening to your aspirations, your motivation, and your intention. So like Narayan was saying, we open to really the beauty and the richness of our inner life this week. And I think what Christina was saying, we open to the possibility really of moving beyond our limited views.
We allow the truth and the Dharma to unfold within us. We can treat ourselves with more patience, kindness, forgiveness, compassion. Really connecting with what we really care about. What our intentions are. We can live from our deepest aspirations and intentions. So right now, right this moment, we can begin to live with more ease and more kindness, more grace. Just pay attention to what brings that sense of ease and peace, happiness to ourselves, to others. We can bring that awareness into the areas where maybe we're confused or where we're suffering. We can use calmness and stillness. Bring it into our hearts and our minds. Into our whole way of living during this week and throughout our lives. It is really that potential and that beauty and the inner treasures of, a, of inner freedom or a liberated heart and mind. So recollecting your intention, your motivation, your aspiration throughout the week. And I'd just like to end with a quote from Adrienne Rich. It's an excerpt from a poem about transforming despair. You yourself must change. Though your life felt arduous, new, and unmapped, and strange, what would it mean to stand on the first page of the end of despair? What would it mean to stand on the first page of the end of despair? May we find out. (laughs) Thank you. So we're going to end the evening with just a very short sitting. I'm very mindful that pretty much everybody has done some traveling today and some quite a lot, and you're probably a little weary by this point. So uh, now before you even get into the posture, um, I'm going to invite you to just, just take a moment to stand up and stretch.
Okay, let's, let's keep this really very simple this evening, but just taking a few moments to establish a posture of wakefulness, even amidst the fatigue, the tiredness, feeling what it is to, to have your body sitting upright, balanced, And establishing mindfulness just within this moment. Inhabiting your body with everything that your body is experiencing just now. Inhabiting your body mindful of the sounds, the quietude. Inhabiting your body, mindful of the thoughts, the images, the memories that arise and that pass. And inhabiting your body in an intentional way, with the intention to be present, to be wakeful, be kind, to simplify, and to arrive. Sensing your body sitting the body listening, the body feeling, and the body breathing. Exploring what it is to collect and to gather your attention. To feel your body breathing. One breath at a time, one moment at a time. And the moment your attention is drawn away into a thought, into a sound, into a sensation, and cultivating a simple knowing,
So tomorrow morning, um, uh, the wake-up bell is at 6. We don't have a scheduled sit before breakfast tomorrow. If you are a very early riser and would like to come and sit, the room is never locked. Um, but otherwise, we, we begin the day with breakfast and, and a work period and then the first sitting of the morning. But this evening, I really encourage that, that step towards settling. To know one thing you can really relinquish and hopefully happily relinquish here is you don't ever have to be in a hurry. So allowing yourself to, just to relax into, into being where you are and to really establishing mindfulness in all of those small areas that we often think just don't matter. You know, how we brush our teeth, how we prepare for bed. Really knowing that, you know, in this practice of wakefulness, in this practice of mindfulness, everything matters. It is a way of caring. It's a way of taking care. So allowing yourself to, to really arrive and hopefully I really do wish you a good night's rest. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.